All right, welcome to the Rogue O'Tours podcast. My name is Chad Durham, and I'm here with Jake Hampton. Hello, hello. Uh, and we, uh, this is our second podcast. We're going to try to do them more regularly now. Regularly now. Uh, we recorded in January our favorite movies of 2015. Um, and now Jake and I are going to talk a little bit about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, how well we think they're doing, and uh, some of the more recent movies, and, and where they head from here. Um, so just something that we thought would be interesting and, and with Civil War having just come out and you know making so much money, it's a good time to check in on the cinematic universe. Before we do that though, we wanted to start just by uh, maybe talking for a few minutes about uh, a few of the movies that we've recently seen um, in case uh, some people are looking for something to see. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to have Jake talk first about uh, Sing Street and X-Men Apocalypse, both of which he saw recently. Yeah, so... Um, this last week I saw John Carney's Sing Street. Um, if you don't know, that's the guy who made Once and a slightly lesser known movie a couple years ago called Begin Again. Um, he's kind of, um, Chad was saying earlier, and uh, I think he's right, he's kind of almost invented a genre, or at least a subgenre of these movies that are, they feel like musicals because they're about the music industry and feature lots of music sequences um but they're not actually musicals in the sense of people you know bursting into song and um being that kind of theatrical type of production so um sing street is about uh, a group of kids who form a band it's really simple um and just kind of their angst and how writing music helps them work through that it's set in the 80s so the soundtrack is really fun um with some well-known 80s bands but also, of course, the movie features the original music that these kids are writing, um, and it's a lot of fun. The music is great. It was really fun to listen to the soundtrack afterwards, um, and the the kids acting in it do a great job. They're all unknowns, um, and I don't think I... The only person I recognized in the whole movie, I think, was um, the kid's dad, who was Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, but everyone else, <laughs> I had never seen or heard of, um, which was kind of a fun experience. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend Sing Street. Um, just if you're a fan of music in general, um, and especially if you've seen this guy's other movies and, and enjoyed them at all, uh, this is just another take on it. It doesn't feel old though. It doesn't feel like he's doing the same thing over and over again. It's, um, it's a really great time. Yeah. I, I wish that I had seen Sing Street. I haven't yet. My wife and I both really enjoyed Once and especially Begin Again. Um, and and uh, Jake and I were talking earlier about how John Carney recently kind of trashed Kira Knightley, who was in Begin Again, um, publicly on a, a phone interview. And then later on, he kind of came back and he, he asked uh, for forgiveness and he said, I don't know why I said that, etc. But it made me think that maybe Sing Street kind of returning to the smallness of Once and dealing with actors and actresses that... Uh, you know, he felt were a little more low maintenance. Uh, it may have come from that, even though, again, he recanted what he said about Keira Knightley, and I thought she was really good in, in Begin Again, uh, and as was Mark Ruffalo. But it seems like he's, yeah, returning to, yeah, yeah I'm not going to work with some of these Hollywood-type actors and actresses. I'm going to go with uh, more naturalistic performances. And uh, Entertainment Weekly 
said they, they knew that Sing Street would get lost in the kind of the blockbuster shuffle of the summer, but basically commanded readers to go find it. Uh, they had similar experiences to Jake in the theater, just really loved it. Yeah, so go see it. Um, it is hard to come by. It might, it's not in really in theaters anymore around here, um, but it might be wherever you are. Um, and if not, definitely catch it on, on Netflix or Redbox or something later on. Um, and then I also recently saw X-Men Apocalypse. Um, I've, I've always been a pretty big fan of the X-Men franchise, um, at least when I, had, uh, when I was younger. I, I loved the original X-Men movie. X2 was awesome for me. Um, and I, we'll talk more about how I, um, kind of developed a disdain for superhero movies, um, in my teenage years and young adulthood so far, um, until recently, but, um, so I didn't see the first class or Days of Future Past movies until just now before Apocalypse, and I loved those two movies, um, but Apocalypse really was disappointing in comparison to to those movies, especially Days of Future Past, um, and it, it's, um, Brian Singer did, um, did all of the X-Men movies, right, except for The Last Stand, which people don't like. And First Class. Oh, he didn't do First Ma- Class either. Matthew okay. Vaughn. Oh, that's right. Matthew that's Vaughn right. did First Class, but yeah, but he's done all, the other four now. Right, so, so I... Not, not counting the Wolverine movies, by the way. Oh, right. Just to throw that out there. Right, right. Of course. Hmm. Um... So yeah, it was it was really um strange because it seemed like so many of the same kind of ingredients were in place for Apocalypse to be just as fun and just as um interesting as Days of Future Past, but for me it just wasn't um it was still fun and it was it was a good popcorn movie, you know, with um uh, with these huge special effects about the world actually ending. Um, but it it was just overstuffed. Um, it felt too big for the X-Men, um, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, just I've always what I've always loved about the X-Men is that it's kind of a smaller scale superhero um, story. And even if they end up defending against things that could destroy the world in the previous films, it it's their motives are usually more personal, and it's it's usually a battle happening in the first place because of something that's a threat to their personal lives or or something about them fighting for acceptance. And so Apocalypse is a real departure from that in that it's um, more about the X-Men having to rise up and literally save the entire planet, which which has just never really felt like X-Men to me. And, um, you know, maybe that's more how they are in the comics. I've never read any of the comics. But just speaking from a standpoint of someone who's only seen the movies and has a uh, kind of perception of what the X-Men are through the movies, it felt a little out of place. Um, and of course, Oscar Isaac as as Apocalypse just really upset me um, because he's unrecognizable um, visually, even his voice is unrecognizable. It, it made no sense to take, you know, I think what most people would agree is one of the most talented actors working in film right now. And just just remove him from his role. <laughs> and so um just things like that. The like I said, the story was overstuffed. There wasn't enough time to explain characters' motives or just make anything feel like it truly mattered. It was more just this is what happens next because it's fun. 
Um, but I should mention there, there some of the acting, the performances were really a great time. Uh, Evan Peters mostly is, is probably my favorite performance in the movie as Quicksilver. Uh, he's just he brings so much fun to the table. His sequences are the best ones um, in this movie, which I I know a lot of people loved his sequence in Days of Future Past as well. Uh, it's more of the same kind of fun thing in a good way. Uh, Sophie Turner was good as Green J as Jean Grey, uh, and yeah, Jennifer Lawrence is always is always great, of course. Um, so yeah, X Men Apocalypse. I mean, it's it's worth seeing if you've kept up with the franchise and want to, uh, you know, see where they're going. Which I I'm not. They say the next one's gonna be set in the '90s, which is actually another. There's timeline things that are very weird with this movie characters that were introduced in first class are supposed to be like 40 years old in this movie and they look 25 but um it's fine i guess <laughs> <laughs> well i did want to jump in just because uh as as jake said oscar isaac uh, i agree one of the finest actors working today and i've i've been hoping for him to gain more mainstream success which he which he did somewhat get with um the force awakens but to relegate him to basically a caricature or like an animated character, you know, that could have been CGI almost, uh, is just, it hurts me. I, I think everything he does is exciting, but with the kind of the overstuffed nature, and you can read Jake's review um, online on our website, with the overstuffed nature of uh, Apocalypse, I would, I, I would much rather watch... Oscar Isaac's dance scene from Ex Machina over and over and over, then go <laughs> then go watch a movie that once again and and uh, Jake mentioned Brian Singer. I mean, he has shown uh, an ability to keep these movies from becoming overstuffed, to keep these movies from becoming overdone and just spectacles. And it just makes me sad uh, that he maybe misstepped a little bit on this one and and kind of gave in to some of those it's got to be epic it's got to be huge it's got to have crazy action sequences right and you know the performances maybe suffered in some cases because of it yeah um all right i i this is interesting because i didn't plan on seeing this movie i am a father of three and so my family and i saw alice through the looking glass and and as someone who was not a big fan of uh, the tim burton alice in wonderland it's kind of an odd choice for me to see but i I actually found it to be pr- fairly delightful. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, who plays time, literally time, um, can sometimes be a little overbearing in big doses. I know he's had some huge hits with like Borat, but then he's had a lot of other movies that felt like two-minute sketches that were stretched to an hour and a half or two hours. Um, and and he's really fun and very funny as time and and... There's, they bring some kind of time travel elements into Alice Through the Looking Glass. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a great movie, but I had a lot of fun. It was directed by James Bobbin, who directed the, uh, the two new Muppet movies, The Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted, which I thought also really understood like what a family movie or a kid's movie should be. Um, fun, jokes that both kids and adults can enjoy. And I think Alice Through the Looking Glass did the same thing. There are some points maybe where it feel, feels a little self-serious. Um, and they do waste some actors like we were just talking about with X-Men Apocalypse. Anne Hathaway, who I know some people struggle with, but she's had some pretty good performances. She basically could have been played, her part could have been played by anyone, which I think was similar in the first movie. 
But Helena Bonham Carter gets to have some fun and they give her some emotional stuff to play. Um, and Mia, I, I've actually never known how to pronounce her last name. Maybe Jay can help me out. Mia Wasikowska. Oh gosh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Please forgive us, uh, anybody that actually knows if, if I just messed that up. Uh, but she's good as Alice. She, and the thing I loved about her is she could have phoned it in. This is not a movie necessarily that people were uh, knocking down doors to get made. <laughs> and uh, she's good. She, she, they bring a little feminism uh, element into her version of Alice someone who's kind of looked down upon for being female and then she has to step into this kind of time traveling role to help save the day um, and there's kind of a grudging respect that uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for that <laughs> happens my bad between her and Sasha Baron Cohen's character time um, I, I, it was a really pleasant movie and and one that my three-year-old daughter had a lot of fun watching, and if if that happens too, I'm usually on board. Um, did you did you see the first Alice in Wonderland? Um, yeah. And it's not I, very it's not great, or you liked it? Oh yeah. Did you say you haven't seen it? No, I have. Oh, you have. Okay. I wasn't a big I wasn't a big yeah. fan. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You didn't like it. Yeah. I I barely remember it. My my little sister and I, I remember it was like right when it came out on DVD, whenever that was, like 2010, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, we watched it in the basement, and I just remember by the end being like, what is happening? You know, like, it was just this kind of, like, strange psychedelic battle, which I guess is probably in the spirit of Alice in Wonderland, but um, but I, I didn't like it, and I haven't been enticed to see the new one. Yeah. But, I mean, you, this is the first not horrible thing I've heard about it. Yeah, so. no, I wouldn't, uh, full disclosure, I wouldn't recommend necessarily that anyone run out and see it. But uh, a lot of my uh, pleasant surprise came from my distaste for the first okay. Alice in Wonderland. As someone who thinks Tim Burton can do some pretty great stuff, I was fairly disappointed in, the, uh, in kind of the perspective they took with, with this Alice in Wonderland. It seemed to have, to have been leaked of all the fun. And I thought Sasha Baron Cohen brought a little bit of that back to Alice Through the Looking Glass. So if you do have, a, if you do have kids or younger brothers or sisters, I definitely think it won't waste your time. All right. Um, yeah. So, and Sasha Baron Cohen, he's everywhere, I've realized. Like, he's in everything, and I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I kind of saw it happen as he began to take more roles, but I just remember I only knew him as the Borat guy, you know? And then I, I saw him in um, Hugo, I think it was, when that came out. And um, ever since then, I just see him in more and more roles, and I'm actually really impressed. He's a pretty versatile actor. because yeah. I kind of would have thought. Yeah, because, I mean, when someone launches their career on something like Borat, which I haven't even seen, actually, and I know it's actually pretty well received critically, but, like, it just, when you launch with comedy, it just seems like that's all you're ever going to do in a lot of cases, so it's cool to see him do so many different things. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we'll get just a few, uh, uh, one, last, one last movie, just a few thoughts. Uh, both Jake and I saw The Nice Guys, uh, Shane Black's new kind of, uh, I wouldn't say action, but kind of action comedy with uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, a movie that uh, we both really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, kind of a, uh, I hate, I hesitate to use the word quirky because some people think that means weird, but kind of a quirky movie in that I felt it really just did whatever it wanted. It didn't seem to go with the rhythms of a normal screenplay, which was written by Shane Black and another dude whose name I can't remember right now. Oh, it's, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, Anthony something, apologies. Um, but uh, it just really seemed to kind of say forget you to 
where you think a story like this would normally go, and I liked that. Uh, though both guys are very likable and charming, they also have some things that they do that are a little bit stupid, and uh, and the movie is really funny. Oh yeah, I laughed a lot. Um, it was just a lot of fun, and it uh, it's not necessarily a you know it's not a very plot heavy movie. It's not the plot's not necessarily necessarily supposed to be riveting, but just the the chemistry and and humor that you get with the two leads is is worth it alone. Yeah, and I and uh, I I talked about this a little bit in my review, which is on the website, and Jake and I have talked about it. Uh, the girl who played Ryan Gosling's daughter, whose name is Angori Rice, she also had good chemistry with both of the leads. Yeah, because she has kind of uh, of course the the father daughter relationship with Ryan Gosling that's not perfect, and then she there's a a good little chemistry between her and Russell Crowe. He takes some kind of fatherly steps and has some fatherly instincts with her too and I thought those moments worked more than maybe I thought they would Yeah, because they could have been shoehorned in as let's bring some emotion and sentimentality into this but I felt like they were earned and they, they had some good resonance oh yeah it completely worked and the whole theme of you know are you a good person or a bad person um, it, it really worked I remember yeah when well we don't want to get into spoilers I guess but but yeah, I, I felt real emotion during this movie, and, and that actress, that child actress, was amazing. Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah, maybe I've just had a lot of bad experiences with child <laughs> actors, but, but her, and like I said with Sing Street, like I've been really impressed with some work I'm seeing from these kids lately. Yes. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, and the Nice Guys too, I liked it. It has sort of a, I don't know if ambiguous is the right word, but at the end, not everything you thought would have been perfect is perfect, and it just kind of says like, you know what? You know, the world sometimes sucks and we're not going to solve everything, but we just got to keep trying, which I thought was a pretty worthy, for a funny, what could have been a throwaway movie, I thought it was a pretty worthy message that they kind of uh, left me with. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, that, just a few movies that we've seen recently that um, we thought, you know, were at least worth talking about. But the main thing we wanted to talk about today um, as, as fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, is some of our thoughts on the franchise and how it's doing, you know, where it's been and where it's going, um, as well as uh, what movies have really worked and, you know, uh, how well did Civil War really work? Because we, we both enjoyed it. Um, Jake reviewed it on the website if you want to check that out. Um, and I've thought about it a lot since. So first, I just wanted to kind of explain where I, how I come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'll have Jake do the same. Um, with the initial movies, I didn't, I didn't um, see them for a long time. I thought Iron Man was a little overrated when everyone was going gaga over it. I thought Robert Downey Jr. was fantastic, but I thought the movie devolved into a similar type of comic book story that we normally see. Uh, but once Joss Whedon, one of my favorite uh, writers and directors, going back, of course, to, to Buffy and Angel and uh, Firefly, Dr. Horrible, uh, Serenity the movie... Um, once he came on board, my wife and I kind of went back and we rented or borrowed uh, Captain America and Thor and I don't remember if there were any others that came out before besides Iron Man. Maybe even Iron Man 2 came out before Avengers. Um, and, and they were all fine. I wasn't necessarily won over until we watched the Avengers. And from the Avengers, I've been on board, which is – it's humorous looking back because I think the Avengers is – really good and, and Joss Whedon does some great things uh, but maybe it's not as good as I initially remembered it seeing where the Marvel Cinematic Universe has gone 
since. So since then, we've seen most of them, not always in the theaters, but usually very shortly after they come out on DVD and Blu-ray, um, we, we try to keep abreast of it. So that's kind of where I was at with, the, with Marvel. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I really, really hated superhero movies until pretty much this year. Um, I, so I, I actually liked the original Iron Man when it came out. Um, I think that was before I hit my fatigue with the superhero Superhero genre. fatigue, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of in high school, I, especially when I started to really, like I started taking film classes and I really got into film in a different way than I had been before. And it started to really bother me that like what was becoming the dominating genre of like our, our culture was, was these people running around in colorful (laughs) costumes and fighting monsters and, (laughs) and gods and things like that. And I was just like, ah, I, it just, uh, I felt like I couldn't take anyone seriously anymore when they would tell me that the Avengers was their favorite movie and things like that. Um, and so I was, I was tired of it and I was done. So I didn't, I didn't really see any of the sequels that came out. I kind of caught the first round with Iron Man, and um, I think I saw the first Captain America when it came out, maybe, and I think that just contributed to my fatigue at the time. So I didn't see any of their sequels. I was just like, ah, I think. So I dropped in for the Avengers when that came out, and um, I was just like, this is just. Why does everyone love this? I mean, it's just explosions and people who are like, oh. I'm going to make funny one-liners, you know, and it's great because I'm a superhero and everyone's going to laugh and think I'm awesome. And I was just tired of it. I was so tired of it. So, let's see. But that kind of, that changed when I saw Deadpool um, earlier this year. I was really, really impressed with it. Um, I will, I'll defend that movie um, to anyone who says it was just a dumb Ranch fest because I really felt like it, it did a great job of um, satirizing just what had become so commonplace and boring in the superhero genre. I loved Ryan Reynolds' fourth wall breaking, um, or sixteen <laughs> or sixty four wall breaking, whatever the joke was. Um, <laughs> now, which professor is it? Is it Patrick Stewart or McAvoy? I always get so confused. <laughs> that was one of my favorite yes. lines. Or, you know, I screwed up the line. But, <laughs> but that line. Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed with it. It, it was really... It, it was kind of a big deal that I even saw it. And it was the only superhero-related movie that I could have seen at that time and enjoyed. Anything else, I think, would have just had me swearing off superhero movies even more than before. Um, and I'm, I'm rambling, but Deadpool made me inspired to try out the genre more again. And... Um, and so I, I, in preparing for Civil War, I watched the, um, I rewatched Captain America. I watched uh, Winter Soldier for the first time. Really liked it. Really started to see how maybe this franchise wasn't doomed for with just doing the same things over and over again. Um, and so that kind of brings us to Civil War, which I, I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you brought up Deadpool. Uh... The end of, you know, Marvel says phase one, phase two, and I don't always know what movies fall where. But um, I surprisingly really liked Iron Man 3, which it's because I didn't love 1 and 2. I felt like 3 was a little looser, which, plug for Shane Black, who wrote and directed The Nice Guys. He also wrote and directed Iron Man 3. I've never been as impressed with the Thors. 
But Captain America the Winter Soldier was was a good movie. And what I loved about Captain America the Winter Soldier is kind of what uh, Jake joked about earlier is it was no longer just superheroes prancing around in these uh, outfits. Uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier could have been... You could have taken away the superhero outfits for the majority yeah. of the movie. It was a conspiracy thriller. It was a government thriller. It was, it was about um, you know, um, collusion uh, in in uh, authority figures, etc. And I thought that it just worked really well. And then they followed up the Winter Soldier with Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Uh, notwithstanding my love for Joss Whedon, I felt like it. Similar to what Jake said, it was explosions. It was stuff like that. When we're being funny, James Spader. I mean, he's got a great voice and he was good, but I don't think he could save that. And then Ant Man, and and even though Deadpool doesn't necessarily fall in the like this is the official Marvel Cinematic Universe. One of the things we wanted to talk about, and I, I'm going to ask Jake, um, is just like are, are are these just good movies that you know Ant Man and Guardians are very funny. Deadpool, which I love that Jake hit on, has some pretty sharp satire. I mean, it's funny, and yeah, there's some raunchy stuff in it, sure, and a ton of swearing. And at first, it's almost jarring in a superhero movie because yeah. you're just not used to it. Um, but it also has something to say about like how stupid these movies sometimes can be, how they fall into that same rut. And right. I loved, I loved that kind of looseness of Deadpool. But what do you think about like the Ant Man's and the Guardians of the Galaxy? We'll go on to Civil War in just a minute. But are, are these really good movies? Are they just kind of riffs on the same thing? Are they are they smarter than the other movies? Like, what is? Do you yeah. have some thoughts on this? Like, uh, did you like Guardians and Ant Man? I, I we haven't really even talked about. Yeah, it. Yeah, we haven't. Um, I I liked both of them for sure. Um, neither of them had me. Neither of them really like flipped my expectations sure. for the genre. Really, yeah, like Deadpool did. Yeah, I mean, I liked the mere casting of Paul Rudd in in Ant Man. Oh, I yeah. thought I thought that alone kind of made it feel different. That um, elevated it just yeah. like that, you know. Yeah, and so it was more lighthearted for sure. Uh, it still kind of took itself more seriously than I expected it to in parts. I think I, I haven't seen it since theaters, so I'm, sure, sure. I'm going off memories. But um, Guardians of the Galaxy, I also enjoyed. Uh, I remember everyone telling me how extremely funny it was beforehand, so I didn't find it as funny as I thought I would. Right. Um, but it was that. But it had that same kind of tongue-in-cheek attitude that. Right. Yeah, of these movies, um, I like it. I like the that riff, you know, on what has become routine. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think they are a little bit smarter. Do you think they are? Yeah, I go, I go back and forth. Um, uh, obviously, I found Guardians a little bit funnier than you did, but I didn't necessarily have everyone telling me how funny it was before I saw it. I thought Bradley Cooper's voice work was divine, mm. uh, for lack of a better word. Um, and then Chris Pratt. I'll watch Chris Pratt in anything because I think he's just a really charming dude. Um, but yeah, I've been wondering, like we kind of, we kind of wrote down some things we wanted to talk about and I go back and forth on if Ant-Man and Guardians are somehow better. I, I don't know that they are, um, but I, I think Jake hit on it. Is it just felt like, and I'm going to borrow his phrase, a riff on the routine. And I think, I think that helped when you had Thor, the dark world, even Iron Man three, which I liked, you know, and you had Captain America and you had Thor and you had the Avengers and it felt like these same things, like the, the, the boredom that maybe Jake felt a little bit in X-Men Apocalypse starts to settle in. And I think it was smart of Marvel to throw kind of these little curveballs. Right. Even if Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't, you know, kind of fell into, ended up falling into some of the same patterns and so did Ant-Man. Yeah. Like the way it got there was a, was more, uh, it was just more 
charming. It was, you know, I laughed more. And so maybe that just kind of hides like, yeah, we're doing the same thing, but we're doing it with different bells and whistles. We're doing it in a different way. So maybe, maybe the movies aren't smarter, but I think the producers and the directors and the writers are getting smarter. Right. Of like, if we put the exact same thing up there every single time, you know, people are eventually going to get tired of it. Yeah. And I think Ant-Man and Guardians helped, and Deadpool to a big extent, even though a lot of families obviously didn't see Deadpool, they show, it showed us that Marvel wasn't going to play by the same rules always, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what it added. Yeah. So I appreciated you know, that about yeah. those movies. Yeah. But yeah, Deadpool uh, um, <laughs> definitely uh, flips expectations in a way that's, that's very different and refreshing yes. in a way that's uh, unexpected. So now, moving on to Civil War. Just came out this summer, got a lot of, of uh, good reviews, and I have part of what uh, kind of facilitated or precipitated, that's the word I'm looking for, this podcast was I read um, kind of a, a group discussion among some critics that had all pretty much said they really liked Civil War. And then they went back to it about a week or two weeks later, and they realized maybe they didn't like it quite as much as they initially thought. And I thought like, oh, this, is, this would be interesting for Jake and I to talk about in a podcast is how effective was Civil War at starting what Marvel likes to call this Phase 3? And did it really do different things? Did it improve on the Winter Soldier? I know I'm throwing a lot of questions out there. I'm just going to let Jake jump in at whatever <laughs> point he wants, and then I'll jump back in. Like, Sure. Because I know uh, Jake reviewed and gave it a very positive review. I really liked Civil War. Um, but at the end, I wondered, did anything change? Like, our, Was the start of the movie and the end of the movie, was everyone basically in the same place? That was another question that I had. Anyway, yeah. Jake, jump in, and you can jump in on any of those points. Now that you mentioned that, um, I think it it did really not... It didn't change anything for the characters. Um, I think the majority of my enjoyment of it came from my, you know, kind of newfound um invigoration for the genre and also my new expectations that they could change the rules, which I felt like they did in some really great ways in Civil War. Mostly just that the climax of the movie was yes. Iron Man and Captain America fighting, which yes. was awesome. And there were like some we're gonna do some spoilers here because if you haven't seen Civil War yet, you can stop listening right now yeah. if, you, if you really want to. Well why so. are you listening to this again? <laughs> Yes, I I just really like the pacing. You have that huge airport fight, you know, like halfway through the movie, which yeah, is really well staged. Yeah, that fight so entertaining and absolutely would have happened at the end of any other superhero movie. Yes, um, well said. Yeah, so I was just I was really impressed with the pacing. I guess it felt it felt different. It looked darker. The it felt darker. Just. Um, re- really satisfied my craving for these different rules. Yeah, the Russos who like got their start in comedy, like did a lot of Arrested Development and even some community episodes, I think, are becoming pretty good directors. They did Winter Soldier. Okay. They're yeah. gonna do Infinity War. Um I like that that Jake brought that up. And I and I think maybe we're hitting on kind of the apocalypse problem, which was even when Civil War, like Jake said, you know what, it kinda didn't change anything. I agree. And that wasn't till later on reflection I'm reading this other thing, like, oh yeah. Yeah. Nothing really changed. Um, but if you're throwing me some curveballs, if you're putting good filmmaking in there, I'm yeah. not saying Brian Singer's not a good filmmaker. He is. He absolutely is. But if you're doing all the other right things, we're we're kind of we're willing to overlook it. As a as a culture, 
Jake touched on this earlier, we want to like superhero movies because they're all the rage right now. Yeah. And so if you bring in some good filmmakers with a knowledge of what all comic book movies do, they can kind of throw little twists in. And I think I love the idea that Jake said, like, that would have absolutely been the climax in every other... In Batman versus Superman and movies like that, that's the climax for the last 45 minutes yeah. is just destruction and fighting and stuff. And for them to make it more personal at the end and have kind of the big bad, you know, have this smaller agenda. I mean, a big agenda, I guess I should say, but this, this personal grievance um, with them, the, the, the bad guy. And he was really good too, by the way. Daniel yeah. Brule, mm-hmm. as I thought. Um, yeah, it just really changed like the style. Of, it wasn't the end of the world at the end. It was all about them getting mad at each other and fighting, and that was that was interesting. Yeah, it was a real reversal, I guess, this summer for the X Men franchise and Marvel. Yeah. I mean, the larger Marvel. <laughs> From universe. what you talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, but but like you said, things stayed the same. Um, and we also kind of wanted to talk about if if people if there were any real stakes involved. Yeah, this is a big one for me. I stated to people like uh, you know very dumbly like no someone needs to die in this movie or I won't like it which sounds like a really stupid ultimatum you know and it is I take pop culture too seriously but you have all these movies and all these um, like Jake talked about explosions and fights and death is on the line and how long can we keep believing as viewers that no one's going to die or no one's going to at least get close to dying. I guess that was what they tried to do with War Machine. Yeah, which and made Civil it even War. worse. Yeah, exactly. because they could have killed him off, and it would have that still would have been safe. Look, that, we love Don Cheadle, okay? But yeah, that. Sorry, I cut Jake off. No, I mean that's what, what do you I have mean. To say it still would have been safe though. Yeah, I because agree. he's a minor enough character that people would have been like, "Oh, that's sad," but it's fine, you know. If they really wanted to, like, continue to change these expectations. They would have to kill not only him, but like maybe somebody audiences yeah. care a lot about. Yes. I, I think there were a lot of people thinking they might kill Captain America, which for some of you listening, like, no blasphemy, like Chris Evans, Captain, yeah, I know, he's great. And I, and I think Chris Evans has been doing a wonderful job too. But we need to feel like some, you've started to change your expectations a little bit. You did it well with Guardians and Ant-Man, especially Deadpool and now Civil War. I think that next step is you need to start killing people. It sounds very morbid to say it like that. <laughs> but obviously these are actors, okay? They're characters. They're fictional. And when they fight, like even in that scene, that fantastic airport fighting scene, okay? I thought they got everyone involved, but it felt very fluid. The camera moved really well. Yeah. Uh, Tom Holland uh, as Spider-Man was fantastic and oh, funny. Yeah. Paul Rudd was funny in the scene. Um, you know, Black Panther was great. Uh, but... Uh, in a fight like that, like I mean, and I guess they're friends and stuff. Yeah. And and you almost had uh, Black Widow and um, Hawkeye uh, addressing it in the scene. Like yeah. we're still gonna be friends after this, right? Well, as long as you don't punch me too hard. Right. Like okay, so now like this scene's fun, but do we care about them hitting each other? Are we worried anyone's gonna actually kill anyone? I thought I thought for a minute at the end, Captain America was going to. He's the one who hits him right at the end, right? Yeah. I thought he was going to kill Iron Man for a minute. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And then I went right back to it. And at the end, he basically writes him a letter and says, ah, we're the same as we, you know, sorry. But we'll, we'll help you anytime. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're back. And so I, 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 looking back, I was like, I like what you did, but like, are you just tricking me? 
and giving me the same stuff as always and yeah. kind of and kind of uh masking you know the stuff that I usually get mad at right and so that I guess that's what I worry about yeah do you think they're gonna kill people big people no I don't think they will an infinity war even I don't know I, it would be it would be great if they did. That's what I was. I know it saying. sounds so it's, bad to say yeah. that, but because my daughter, by the way, my eight year old daughter was crying in the scene where Iron Man and Captain America were fighting, and and you know thinking from a kind of a critical point of view, I thought like this is why they're not killing anyone. Yeah. Because they don't want to anger people. Yeah. But I also in in a very real way thought yeah, but my daughter's having real emotion. You kill one of these people. Yeah, she'll be mad, but she's feeling something. Sure. And that's what I want. That's what I want. I want superhero movies to finally transcend, and I want to feel something real. Yeah. And I think we need some death for that to actually happen. For sure. I remember when um, Ultron came out, uh, everything, the big thing I heard is, oh, somebody dies in the movie. And wasn't it, wasn't it freaking It was Quicksilver. Who was, was introduced in that movie, yeah. wasn't he? Uh, it was worse than if they would have killed War Machine <laughs> yeah. in Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because we had no real um, investment yeah. in Quicksilver. Yeah, I was like, are you kidding me? That's what people are talking about? Like, I was waiting for another death to happen after that, but it yeah. didn't. I mean, and I was surprised. Was I surprised? Sure, I was surprised. But did I feel anything for Quicksilver? No. No. Not at all, because he was new, and he, you know, we we hadn't gone through other movies with him or wars with him of any kind. Yeah, and so I would say, like, moving forward, going forward, pardon me. I know they're they're about to riff a lot because we've got we're, we'll talk about some of the movies we're excited for in a minute. But Doctor Strange is coming out, Guardians two, the Spider Man movie, the third Thor, Black Panther, and then Infinity War. And in between Infinity War one and two, there's Ant Man and the Wasp and, and Captain Marvel. I think as long as I have these dates right. Okay. But I, I I really feel like, and I don't know, maybe I'm not every people. Maybe the people going to the theater are going like, I sure hope no one dies. <laughs> like, is that, do you know, do you get that vibe? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the average, I, I feel like it's pretty well known that they have planned out these movies so far in advance that most people are going in knowing we're going to see these characters and buy more movies after this. You know? Right. And I'm hoping, so a lot of the movies, a lot of the like initial number of movies are expiring, like... Captain America 3, we don't know if there'll be a 4. Iron Man 3, we don't know right. if there'll be a 4. Thor 3, we don't know if there'll be a 4. I'm hoping that kind of opens the door for them to go, okay, now it's time yeah. to start. Now no one knows what's coming, and we can be really... I mean, oh, gosh, we didn't even talk about Nick Fury. Nick Fury in The Winter Soldier also, quote-unquote, died. And oh, then right. they brought him back. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that out again, mm-hmm. because they keep almost like daring us to believe like we actually did it yeah and again Nick Fury not that big of a character once again (laughs) and even that they yanked back yeah like War Machine Uh, again Don Cheadle's great I'd love to see him his his telling his story that he told I forget who who he told the story to who didn't laugh in uh, Age of Ultron and then he tells it to another group and they all crack up was one of the best moments in Ultron I'll I'll watch Don Cheadle paint a fence (laughs) But that doesn't change the fact that you need to start killing real characters. Yeah. I, I think. And hopefully we don't sound morbid. We just it's time to shed some blood. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. It's true. And hopefully when they branch out and add some of these other characters, like Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel, and maybe bring the Guardians even into uh, kind of the main Marvel Cinematic Universe, they'll realize we have a million superheroes. <laughs> yeah. Let's start killing. Because Groot, too. Gosh darn it. Groot, they killed. And like, no, Groot died. And then he's growing back in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like every single time. 
The only person who actually died was Quicksilver, who was in half of one movie. Yeah. Marvel, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> which you probably are. Which you, yeah, you most definitely are. And you were mad about me forgetting Anthony Bagarazzi's name earlier. Uh, and probably mispronouncing Mia Wasikowska. But uh, if you are listening, I think we can handle it. Because we know how movies work. And we've seen these characters in enough movies now. I think you've pushed the limit. Yep. I feel like you pushed the limit as far as it can go. And for some of us, too far. I think it's time for real stakes. Yeah, surprise bit. us. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to add about before we talk about other Marvel movies we're excited for? Anything so. else about yeah Civil War and stuff? Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in, in Doctor Strange should be a trippy type of movie. Um, yeah. That's coming out really soon. Uh, so what are some of the movies that are coming out in the cinematic universe that you're excited for? Oh, man. So like, like I mentioned with X-Men, how I hadn't read those comics. Like, I've never read any comics, and I'm not that familiar with um, superheroes in general. Like, the introduction I get to superheroes is usually through these movies. So, um, Doctor Strange, don't really know what that's about. Um, same with Captain Marvel, um, even the Inhumans, which has been indefinitely delayed, I guess. So um, I, I am looking forward to Guardians 2. I mean, I, I solidly enjoyed the first one. Um, I think it'll be fun to see those characters again. Like you said, Chris Pratt is just a blast to watch on screen. Um, Ant-Man 2, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I, I love Evangeline Lilly. I'm a huge Lost fanboy um, and apologist. So I, um, I'll, I'll be happy to see her you know, continuing to be able to do more and more of these blockbuster-type movies. Um, I actually, I haven't seen the Thor movies, uh, maybe that disqualifies me for some of the things I've said about Avenger movies, but... No, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, so I, I mean, unless I hear awesome things about, uh, Ragnarok, is that how you say it? Yeah. I, I don't know if I'll be trying to catch up on those. They've Um, said some interesting things, that it's basically a buddy movie between Thor and Hulk. Oh, which, right. Which actually does pique my interest. Yeah, that does sound kind of cool. It sounds fun, but it's also weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, how are they together and what are they doing? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the Thor movies, though, they, you know, well, I could take them or leave them. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to? I, I say so this is interesting because a lot of people wrote stuff after uh, Civil War about how great Black Panther was. Mm-hmm. And I like Chadwick Boseman. I thought he did a great job, but the character didn't necessarily capture me. As much as it did other people. Yeah, me either. However, the movie is being directed by Ryan Coogler, who I think is pretty fantastic. Um, he did Fruitvale Station with Michael B. Jordan and then Creed with Michael B. Jordan. And I happen to think Creed was uh, fairly amazing in that he took this long-dead franchise and resurrected it, basically. And, um, and resurrected it into something good, like legitimately good, in my opinion. And so he has signed up Michael B. Jordan to probably play, probably play the villain in Black Panther and Lupita Nyong'o, I don't know who she's playing. Um, and so I'm, I think that has the potential to be like a, an incredibly good superhero yeah, movie. Yeah, awesome Just cast. because of the, yeah, the cast and the, the filmmaking uh, prowess behind it. Um, that's, in my mind, ridiculous. And so even though I maybe wasn't as won over by the character as other people were... I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, at Guardians 2, you mentioned uh, earlier, we, I didn't even get to mention again Paul Rudd, who I think is just so funny and, yeah. and you know, brought some ad-libbing, uh, some amazing ad-libbing like Chris Pratt did to um, 
Guardians he brought to Ant-Man, so I'm looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And they just announced that Brie Larson is like the number one choice for Captain Marvel. I know that's not for sure yet, but if she were to play Captain Marvel, I would be really on board with oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. She's fantastic. In Room, of course, and Short Term 12, just somebody amazing, you know? And then even after seeing... Um, after seeing Civil War, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm excited for um, Spider-Man Homecoming, but I'm more... Because I've always felt like, man, why are we beating Spider-Man to death? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't mind the first three Tobey Maguire ones, even number three, which was the very definition of overstuffed uh -huh. that we've been talking about. Um, and I thought Andrew Garfield did a good job, and so did Emma Stone, but I felt like been there, done that when I watched those movies. I didn't see those ones, because yeah. that's when I was at my the peak of my <laughs> anti-superhero. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Again, not something you need to run out and see. Yeah. Do you have any interest in Spider-Man Homecoming, or not really? Well, that so that was one other... I feel like we started kind of trashing Civil War a little bit for not having death. Um, but one of the things that I loved about it was with Spider-Man... And I think they kind of did this with Black Panther too, right? Is their origin stories were pretty much in the movie. Yeah. So I think I I it was my favorite portrayal of Spider-Man that I've seen. So I can be excited for that movie. I think if we're not doing uh, origin story again. Yeah, yeah. Because... No, that's a great point you brought up. I never even thought of kind of folding into the bigger movie a small origin story. Yeah. So that then when you tell the Black Panther story and you tell the Spider-Man story, we've dispensed with that. Right. And they hired an, an indie director, a guy who directed a movie called Cop Car with Kevin Bacon. Um, his name's John Watts, to do Homecoming too. So I like this move towards really good filmmakers stepping in, especially yeah. in this third phase, right? Okay, we can now branch out. We can do different things. Sure. Um, even James Gunn, who wasn't necessarily a uh, that well-known of a filmmaker, he did Guardians and he's doing Guardians too. He did Slither, which Jake was saying that he really liked. Um, but he was someone with a different kind of sensibility when they made Guardians. Um, and so I, I think that will hopefully help them move. And I, I feel people, I feel like people like Ryan Coogler and, and John Watts will be like, no, we need to kill someone. You yeah. know? And, I, and, and since Jake said, I feel like we ended up trashing Civil War, uh, yeah, we definitely both really enjoyed Civil War and had issues with that one thing of yeah. upping the stakes and, and people dying. Um, and yeah, and I would say Doctor Strange, I, I, people would have to tell me it's really good. Um, Infinity War, I'm sure I'll go see when that comes out uh, many, many years from now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I want to see how it ends. And, and if people sell me on Thor Ragnarok, I've only seen the Thors on DVD and Blu-ray. I know Jake, Jake hasn't even seen them. Um, the first one was enjoyable for what it was. Right. Number two was one of the lower points of the, the Marvel Cinematic That's Universe. That's right here. Um, but... Uh, you know, a buddy movie with those two could be could be good. Anyway, yeah, so, you know, definitely some good times in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you know what we didn't even mention? Deadpool 2 has been greenlit. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know when that's coming out, but that movie did, did fairly well and showed that there's an appetite for something that's not the same old superhero movie. Yeah, for sure. So uh, just to close here, um, and thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. We're gonna we'll try to let you uh, we'll try to publicize when we get all of these out. Hopefully, we'll have one coming a week from whenever you listen to this. But uh, we wanted to just discuss very quickly some movies coming out really soon that either we're excited for or we just wanted to kind of bring up and make some comments about. And so I'm gonna let uh, Jake is much more of a uh, horror movie or that style of movie connoisseur than I am, and so I'll let him handle The Conjuring Two which comes out, I think, on the 10th, right? Yeah, um, which is 
this coming week, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the first Conjuring movie. Um, as far as, like, mega mainstream horror movies go, it's about as good as it gets. Uh, there's more of a recent trend, I think, in the past few years of these indie horror movies that are just, like, insanely high quality. Um, but I feel like most mainstream horror tends to be uh, pretty awful. Um <laughs> Just these cheap Very attempts. derivative, yeah. <laughs> very derivative. Yeah, just cheap attempts to get people in the theater. But uh, The Conjuring was very different. Um, it had some nice acting and character development. Um, wasn't just there to go for the cheap scares. Uh, and really an engaging engaging movie. So I recommend watching it if you haven't uh, in preparation for The Conjuring 2, which should be a, a, hopefully an equally enjoyable summer horror flick. Patrick Wilson, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. I, I, I like him. Um, I wanted to mention really quickly before we move on to a couple others, uh, the Lonely Islands movie comes out, I think, today. Oh, yeah. Called Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. And I I always appreciate the Lonely Island. I think sometimes, you know, since they walk the line of, or, or that's not even right, since they push the line sometimes and they go for a lot of really awkward comedy, I think that sometimes their stuff just kills and other times it's like, eye rolls and like I don't know what's going on I was pleasantly surprised to see some uh, reviewers I really trust giving pop star very good reviews yeah uh, Michael Phillips and uh, A.O. Scott and uh, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone all really good reviews mm-hmm. they said like it's really funny and it has some kind of interesting satire and I know by the time you listen to it it will have been out by the time you listen to this it will have been out for a few days but I was pleasantly surprised because uh, I think Andy Samberg's a really funny dude and Yorma Tacone and Akiva Schaefer, the, his Lonely Island buddies, like are pretty smart filmmakers. So I like that maybe they're 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 taking what works about the Lonely Island and, and uh, getting it into these interesting movies and, and stuff. Oh, yeah. I plan to see it for sure. Yeah. And then we wanted to mention uh, Now You See Me 2. <laughs> um, we talked before before we started recording in both. Jake and I were not huge fans of Now You See Me, the first one, um, which for me was one of those movies that was built completely to have a ludicrous twist at the end. Yeah. That didn't really make sense. Even though everyone's having a ton of fun in it, like Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson, I think Isla Fisher, right? She was in the first one. Yeah. And and uh, freaking uh, Morgan Freeman and Mark Ruffalo. I mean, it's a good cast. <laughs> Insanely good. And Dave Franco, right? He's been, he's in both, I think. Yeah. Um, what 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 uh, didn't you like about the first one? Um, well, for me, more than anything, it was just it was just so forgettable. Like yeah. I can barely remember what even happened in it. Um, and then also, it's just it ha- it's silly. Um, <laughs> just the concept that magicians are these like <laughs> superstars that people <laughs> pretty much worship, and like, and then also the con like. It's like they claim they're doing illusions, like that magicians do, but the things that happen in the movie are pretty much actual magic. Like, Yeah. Well, if you've seen yeah. the trailer for the new one, which again, I get to escapist entertainment. I get it. There are movies that I have loved. I'm so ashamed I liked Failure to Launch, which was just a terrible movie. I'm not going to go into it right now. But I get that we go to escape, and I get that Now You See Me was fun. But I felt like it was it was just closer to to trashy fun and and it wasn't maybe as fun as I wished it would have been yeah um but the the trailer for the new one has them going down a hole and ending up in a completely different part of the world <laughs> you know and see you hear Jake laughing I'm sure he saw the trailer and and 
And I had a lot, okay, I said I wasn't gonna say this, but I am. I'm a teacher, and I had a lot of students tell me like, oh, Now You See Me is one of my favorite movies ever. Oh. And I just, oh, you're just you're just making me have more disdain for it. Uh, like Jake talked about when people said The Avengers was their favorite movie of all time. Sorry, if either of these are your favorite movie, we still love you and we appreciate you listening. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm interested to see if it does big business. Yeah. If, if people are like, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to get back with the Four Horsemen. Or what I think that's what they're called. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Is. Yeah, so that's interesting. And then, and then our our last uh, our last movie is Finding Dory, which comes out on the 10th or the 17th, and maybe the 17th. So still a couple weeks. Um, which again, we were talking before, and I love Pixar, and I enjoyed Finding Nemo. Saw it in the theaters, liked it a lot. Didn't like it as much as most other people, and so I found that my my bias against it has increased over the years wow. as people have been, you know, as people keep saying it's, Oh, it's my very favorite Pixar or it's sure. one of my favorite Pixar. And it has, it's through no fault of the movie and I don't hate it or anything like that. But I found that I'm much less excited for finding Dory. Um, after all these years of Nemo love that I haven't participated in. If right. That makes sense. You're excited for. Yeah. Dory? Here's what I'm not excited about is, Pixar moving towards a more sequel-based mm-hmm. approach. I am bummed about that. Um, but I think if there is one of, of the few that I would like to see sequels to, um, Finding Nemo is one of them. Um, I mean, and, and Ellen was so funny yeah, in the first one. So Ellen funny. DeGeneres as the voice of Dory was fantastic, you know? Yeah, and I know that doesn't always work to take, you know, even a standout character from one movie and, and give them, that wasn't the main character, and then give them their own movie. Um but I have high hopes. Um, I haven't even loved the trailers, but I, I've noticed a weird pattern with my own personal taste is that I usually don't love Pixar trailers for some reason. Like, the Inside Out trailer, I remember I was like, oh, that looks interesting, but not, like, I'm not dying to see it. And right. then it turned out to be, like, my number two movie last year. So. Yeah, yeah, spectacular. So I have high hopes for Finding Dory. We'll yeah, Jake wasn't on our, um, Jake wasn't on our uh, year-end movies uh, podcast earlier, but he and I both had Inside Out as our number two movie of the year last year. So, so I'm, this is not coming from a place of no Pixar love. Like I like <laughs> Finding Nemo, and I, I, you can find on on Rogue Tours my personal ranking of the Pixar movies, and and Nemo's in the top ten as I recall. It's not like I, you know, dismiss it. It's a very good movie, but but so many so many love it that I you know I've I've kind of faded in my Nemo, you know, I'm not a Nemo apologist. <laughs> you talked about being a lost apologist earlier. And I, and I do, I am, I am a little bit, uh, can they build a movie around this story character? Yeah. Like, and I hope that they can, because I think Pixar uh, is, they're just geniuses. In, yeah, I trust in, them. In, yeah, I do trust them. Um, so yeah, so check some of those movies out if you want to uh, get on the website or tweet at uh, myself or Jake or at Rogue Auteurs. Um, Jake is at Hump Sneeze. I actually just changed it. Oh. It's now... I'm I sorry. think it's Jacob Hampton 26 now. I apologize. Sure. That's at, at Jacob Hampton 26, if you want to tweet about anything we said here, I'm at CDurham99. And then there's always at Rogue Auteurs that you can tweet at us if you have some thoughts about The Conjuring 2 or, or you want to defend Now You See Me um, or tell me <laughs> that I'm stupid for hating Nemo or tell, or tell us even that you think nobody should die. Or tell us what you thought of Sing Street when you go to see it. Okay, we appreciate you listening, um, and we'll try to get back with you next week. Uh, We'll talk to you later. Goodbye.